1 Samuel chapter number 23. We'll look at, I'll tell you the story of the entire chapter in just a minute, but we'll just read several verses beginning in verse number 24. 1 Samuel chapter number 23, beginning in verse number 24. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Mon, in the plain of the south of Jeshmon. Saul also and his men went to seek him, and they told David, Wherefore he came down into a rock, and abode in the wilderness of Mon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Mon. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David his men on that side of the mountain, and David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. For Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about them to take them. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Now I want you to watch the statement here. Therefore they called that place Salehim Melikoth. The title of the message this morning is that name you've probably never heard, Salehim Melikoth. That is the title of the message this morning. Lord, I love you and I do thank you for all that you do for me personally. I thank you for what you do for our church. Thank you for your mercy and your compassion on our country that in all appearances seems to have turned its back on you. But this morning we stand before you a grateful and a thankful people that we have yet again another opportunity to freely hear the word of God being preached. Holy Spirit, in my own ability this morning I will fail, but I would ask that you would allow me to step back and that you would speak through me. As best as I know how, Holy Spirit, I'll yield myself to you. May the word of God take preeminence in the service this morning. And Holy Spirit, would you give us a truth this morning that would both be a comfort and encouragement, but that would also remind us of the importance of remaining faithful in our obedience and trust to your word. We'll ask all these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I like the Bible. I know it's not a storybook. Pastor says that all the time, and I appreciate him saying that. But I enjoy the examples that God gives me in the Bible. The Bible tells me um, in, the Old, in the New Testament that these are for our examples. I'm thankful that God did not leave me on this spinning rock of dirt to live my life my own way. But he gives me examples of lives of those that have obeyed. And those even that have disobeyed, not so that he would glorify the disobedience, but he would show us the importance of remaining faithful. We find here a story of not yet King David. David has been anointed king. And by the point we get in 1 Samuel 23 here, David has been running from Saul for about two and a half years. Of course, um, this all began shortly after David slew, slew, um, kills Goliath, um, and Saul begins to eye David from that day forward. There's a bitterness that breeds in the heart of Saul. Of course, because of Saul's disobedient, we find that the, the kingdom is going to be rent from Saul, and he's angry. He's bitter at God, and he takes a lot of this maliciousness out on David because he sees God using David in a unique and mighty way. Now for two and a half years, David running from Saul. 
verses 1 through 5, we didn't read this, but at the beginning of the chapter, we find um, uh, the Philistines um, uh, coming against a city by the name of Kelai. And David asked the Lord if he should go forth and smite them. And the Bible tells us in verse number 2 that the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. Now, this is going to be interesting in just a minute. Verse number 4, the, the men that he is with are afraid. And he says, well, let me go double check. Let me make sure that I wasn't wrong in my interpretation. In verse number 4, God reassures him. He says, arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thy hand. And we see a great victory being wrought by David. I want to first make a mental note here that God told David to go to this victory. To, to face this battle. But something interesting happens. Um, and you talk about a feeling of betrayal. You talk about a, well, why, why'd you do that to me, God, moment. Uh, David delivers this city. And uh, once he comes into the city, that this city betrays David's position to his enemy Saul. And uh, we find in verse number 11, the, the message coming to David, O Lord, if God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. And then David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. Now, God, why did you have me do that? I mean, good grief. If the Philistines would have destroyed him, I'd have been better off, Right? But you had me go and deliver this city from the enemy, and they turned their back on me. And they go tell Saul where I am, and here I am on the run again. That's kind of a disappointing situation. Uh, we find in verses 13 through 18 that God, uh, that, that although Saul seeks, I like verse number 14, and Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. God protected David, even though the circumstance seemed a bit contrary to human reasoning. Though the circumstance was a tad bit confusing for David, David is protected by God. And David's faith is renewed in God, and his promise to be king is renewed by an old friend. In verse number 16, Jonathan catches up. Of course, now this is Saul's son, Jonathan, um, and went to David. And I like what it says here, and strengthened his hand in God. Iron sharpeneth iron. And you have that friend that strengthens David and brings him a word of encouragement. And I love what Jonathan says during the midst of a battle to, to David here. He said, and he said unto him, fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. Thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. I'm going to be second in line, even though I'm rightfully first in line, but I'm not just going to be second in line. I'm going to be next unto thee. I'm going to be standing there with you. I'm going to support you in your endeavors. I won't fight you. You're going to be king. This promise will find the covenant between Jonathan and David renewed, also reminding David of the covenant between him and God. Verses 19 through 23. We find that the city of Gibeah also betrays David. And David is betrayed yet again. And he is 
to leave the city of Gibeah, the Ziphites there um, betray, and they tell Saul, and Saul says, oh boy, God has heard my cry, and God is going to help me. Um, And he said, blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. And uh, Saul is excited. He said, finally, I get to see the defeat of somebody who's been a thorn in my side. And by this point, we come to the passage of Scripture we read just a little while ago, verse number 24. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. And, 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 and you can't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. They don't make TV shows as good as this. All right. Now, in verse number, uh, verse, verse number 26, I find a tad bit of humor here. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David his men on that side of the mountain. We find, we find if you can, can I reference the old, the old, the old, you senior folks of living life, uh, the, the, the uh, Tom and Jerry, that, that cat and mouse, uh, that running around in circles, that, that, that dog chasing a tail scenario. These fellows are swerving around this mountain here chasing each other. And all of a sudden, uh, we get to a point where David's got nowhere to go. David left a city prior to this. And, and, and we didn't read this, but he talks about the, the bars of that city are going to be what betrays me. But God delivers him. We find here that David goes up into this mountain. It's the only place for him to go. There's no other place left for him to go except... Up the mountain. But I like verse number 27. I, 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 love, I, I love that word. I love that conjunction, but. You study that conjunction, but. I love what it does. When you read that word in the Bible, oftentimes we see a negative followed by an even greater positive. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal. I like that conjunction. Here we find that there's a... This is a very negative situation. David's life is about to be taken, but God intervenes. Verse number 27, But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee, come up, for the Philistines have invaded the land. And I see uh, Saul licking his chops there. He's got Tweety Bird up there in the tree, and he just he finally got the perfect plan. And something happens, and he's got, he's got to leave. He's got to go back home and defend the land. David takes a deep breath, sigh of relief as they come down. And before they leave the mountain, the Bible tells me in verse number 28, Therefore they called that place Selahim Melikoth. Every word is in the Bible for a reason. And I begin to look at that word. Why did, and it was very interesting. I said, why did they call that? Let me define for you what... That word means. It means the rock that divides, or if you will, the rock of escape. That very thing that David thought was going to entrap him, that very thing that David thought was going to be his end, was what God used to deliver him from the enemy. There's so many times in our life where we find ourselves in a place where the only left place left to go seems like a dead end. It seems like there's no way through. We're trapped. There's nowhere to go. But by obeying God's word, by being patient, by allowing God to bring the victory into our life, we'll see as David sees that in that moment where we think we have nowhere to go, that rock 
that seems as though it's going to be our death trap ends up being our fortress. It ends up being that which delivers us from the enemy. David and his men, when they walked down from this mountain, they turn around and they said, well, that was close. They called this mountain Selahim Melikoth because they recognized the mountain that they thought would be a death trap ended up being what protected them from the enemy. David and his men came to the realization that the rough terrain had bought them enough time so that the Lord could intervene. David was saying that what I thought was going to turn out to be my worst enemy ended up being what saved my life. David, at a pivotal time in his life, saw the hand of God provide for him. David was not focused on how tough he had it or how long and how difficult the journey had been in his fleeing from Saul. David, through the trials of life, stayed focused on and looked at the fact that God had not forsaken him, and he recognized the fact that God was protecting and guiding him every step of the way. You see, there are times in the life of a Christian when it seems like the situation and the circumstances you find surrounding you will be the end of your life as you know it. You, you, you look at the circumstance, and this is it. This is the end. Life will never be the same. Whether it's a financial change, whether it's the death of a loved one, whether it's an economical change, whatever the circumstance may be in your life, you look at that and you, and you just, life's gone. The, the, the breath has been knocked out of you. But you, like David, at this moment, need to make sure that you are not focused on the difficulties and the trials that are around you, but you need to focus on the protection that God has already provided you. You don't see how this situation is a fortress. To you, this just seems like a death trap. But the very rock that you think would be a dead end ends up being the rock that God hides you in during the storm. God often, in the times of trials and difficulties, leads us to a rock. You see, the journey is not easy. The climb is often steep. It is often fearful. It gets narrow in places. But when you come down from the mountain after seeing God deliver you, it is very evident and it is an unmistakable that the purpose of God was to lead you to that, to that rock to deliver you. Many of us need to change the view of our life, the, the view of the difficulties in our life, from why am I going through this to Salehi Melikoth. Look at how God has been there for me every step of the way. We come down from that mountain, we come through the trial, we come uh, through the storm and the difficulty, and we just shake our head and we're amazed that the very place we were just at, we thought this was the end. We thought the devil had us cornered. We thought that the, the enemy was going to win. There was no hope. There was no way out. There was no, there's no way of rescue. But it is while we stayed in the rock that God brought deliverance. Because we didn't run from him, we stayed there. And as we leave from that mountain, we can look back and say, Salehi Melikoth. That rock divided me. That rock protected me from the enemy below. That rock was my escape 
from the enemy. Did God not do the same for the children of Israel as they were leaving from Egypt? And he put between them that pillar of cloud by, by, by day and the pillar of fire by night. And the Bible tells us so that the Egyptians could not come to them. He kept that wall of division between them. So many times in our life, God brings those things in our life. We face those Red Sea moments. A dead end. There's nowhere to go. We have no idea what the next step is, but God is using that to protect us. And if we will trust God, we will trust the word of God, we will cross through on dry ground, and we will turn around and see the, the ravished enemy being destroyed by the judgment of God, but we've got to remain faithful. We've got, we got to stay in the rock. You see, the Christian is not called to live a life of ease. He is called to live a life of faith. Many Christians desire to know God in a very personal way. But it's when the trials of faith come into their life that they begin to shake their fist at God and they stay focused on the difficulty instead of the opportunity to exercise the faith. They just prayed and asked God to increase. I like what Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 10 says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Being in a place of death where resurrection is needed is not an enjoyable place to be. Being in a place of suffering where comfort is, is necessary is not an enjoyable place to be. Being in a situation where I don't have what I think I, what, what, I, what I want and I'm in an uncomfortable situation and in a place where the trial of my faith, my faith is being tested. I think of old Job sitting there uh, being faithful to God, scraping the, the sores of his skin, being, being faithful, re remaining, remaining integral, not losing his integrity, not changing in the face, but no doubt wondering, well, God, why am I here? So many times it's in those places that it's so easy to lose focus on God and start to blame Him for the situation we're in and go seek our own solution. Instead of remaining placed in the rock that God has brought us to, intending to use this rock that we see as a death trap to be used as a rock that divides me from the enemy, to use this as a rock that brings comfort, to bring shelter in the time of storm. Let me give you three points this morning. Point number one, you need to recognize that you can only be sheltered from the storm if you stay in the shelter. Uh, my grandpa was sitting back there, and honestly, I wrote this before, and I didn't know when I was preaching. This has been in this, this outline for a while. But grandpa tells the story of an old dog. I don't remember if it's a dog he had or a dog they had when, the, when, when, when my father and his brother were growing up. But they had an old dog, and they decided to go out and build it a dog house. Purpose of a dog house is for the dog to stay in it. And he, apparently, the dog was dumb uh, because every time it snowed or it rained or anything, that old dog was either on top of it in the elements, or that dog had dug a hole underneath it, trying to find a better shelter than the one that was already provided. Now, that's a humorous example, but I wonder how many times in our own life. God gives us a shelter. We find ourselves sitting on top of it, yelling at God for bringing the rain. God, it's not fair. All the lightning and thundering. And God says, hey, you fool. How about you get in the house that I built for you? How about you get in the book 
Or, or like that old dog that says, fine, the top wasn't comfortable. I'm going to dig underneath and find my own way. I'm going to find a better way to improve on what God's already told me. You need to recognize that you can only be sheltered from the storm if you stay in the shelter. Psalms chapter 18 and verse number 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength. None of those situations are enjoyable to be. If you need a fortress, you're being attacked. If you need to deliver, you're being attacked. If you need strength, that means you're weak. If you need trust, that means you're in a place of doubt. But I need to remain firm in the shelter God has built. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me. And the floods of the ungodly men made me afraid. Does that not describe the day and age we live in? We look around and there is, that we looked on every hand and there's no hope. There's no hope for this country when we look at Fox News. There's no hope for this country when we listen to CNN. There's no hope when we trust in a politician. There's no hope when we trust in a political structure. There's no hope when we trust in our own ability to provide for our need. The sorrows of death have compassed about me. The floods of ungodly men have made me afraid. The sorrows of hell have compassed me about. But I wonder if the moral decay of this country. I wonder if the political decline in this country. I wonder if the shambles this country is facing. Is not the very rock that God is seeking to use to bring about a revival. By showing our own country. By showing the Christians That it is during this time that you need to run to me and allow me to use this time to deliver you from the enemy that you're afraid of. And to bring a revival because you're obedient and you stayed in the shelter. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came up before him into my ear. So many Christians look at how God has told them that he would provide, but yet they don't trust and they flee the source of protection. David, if he would have prematurely left that rock and said, well, I've got a bunch of men with me. We've seen a lot of great victories. We're strong. We're tough. We're going to see our own victory. He may not have made it. And he dead sure would never have seen God work in his life and would have been able to see God bring a great victory into his life. God is my rock and my fortress and my high tower. All of these structures are there for our protection, but they are useless unless I'm in them. Psalms 31, verse number 20. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. The two greatest enemies to the Christian is our pride and our mouth. Whether it be somebody else's or our own, our pride will keep us from seeking God. The pride of and the cockiness of the world will, will, will intimidate us into believing that we can't be successful because God's methods don't work anymore. It is the mouth of the world that berays on the Christian as that, as that dripping rain on a tin roof late into the evening that would drive one crazy. 
as that dripping faucet. Their mouth begins to berate the faith of our God. As Goliath stood there before the Israelites and began to mock a holy God. And David said, you come to me with sword and shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God. And as a child of God, we need to recognize that it is the pride, it is the tongue of the world, or even our own mouth, our own pride, that will prevent us from finding shelter in the rock. It takes more courage to stay put than it does, and it takes more courage to stay put and trust God than it does to run away from fear. I love Deer and I mean they taste good too. Uh, now after I after I've had COVID, deer has not taste. I've not eaten a bite of venison since I had COVID. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, but anyways, I used to like it. Um, but, but but I grew up eating the stuff and we love it. And it's a beautiful animal. I, I love the thrill of the hunt. I love the deer. I love the but 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 they are such a beautiful animal. I love looking at them, especially, well, anyways, um, I, uh, I, I do watch, I, I do enjoy watching them, and one of the most unique things about the, 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 um, the, um, the deer, that animal we're talking about, um, is the fawn. That fawn is just an amazing little creature. You know, one of the greatest defense mechanisms of that fawn is motionlessness. The white spots on the back of that fawn will often in the springtime blend with the popping buds of the flowers. And, and, and I've done it, and, and you try it, but it's crazy. You, you, you can get real close. I, I've, I've literally, oh, there you are, and, and not stepped on them. They, but they will remain motionless. They will stay there. They will not move until their mother comes and gets them. And, 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 and it is their greatest defense mechanism. So many times in the Christian life, God has called us to be still and know that I am the Lord. And we, 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 the, the enemy starts firing, lobbing shells. They don't know where we're at. But as soon as we start running, they got a beat on us. That little fawn, as soon as it gets up, and starts running, it loses the advantage. It's not fast enough, it's not strong enough. It will be overtaken by the enemy. But as long as she stays motionless, she'll be safe. It takes more courage to stay put and trust than it does to run away in fear. Don't run from the shelter found in God's house. Psalms chapter number 27 and verse number 2. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, but that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to, be, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies. Round about me, therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. We should not run from the house of God. For it is in the house of God we find the shelter that we need. We should not run from a relationship with God. For it is the relationship with God that is our rock. We should not turn from the word of God to man's philosophies. For it is the word of God that is our rock. It is our shelter in a time of storm. 
There is a light found in His presence, which will be a comfort during the dark times. There is a strength and power that is found by the closeness of being next to His side. And this will bring a security in the tumultuous times of life. There is a shelter that is found in the Lord's house and in the truths that we learn there that will bring joy and peace during the times of fear and turmoil. Salehi Melikoth. That church, that faith, that thing that the world says will be my destruction is what God uses to deliver me from the hand of the enemy. That rock that the world mocks, that rock that they criticize is the very one that I find security in. But you must recognize that you can only be sheltered from the storm if you stay in the shelter. Number two, you need to recognize where your help is coming from. So many fail to see God's protection because they fail to see the source of their protection. In Psalms chapter 94 and verse number 17. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelled in silence. So many of us are like Samson. I like Samson. I'm not critical of him. There's a lot of great principles to learn and God used him in a mighty way. But so many times he'd pick up the jawbone of a donkey. Or he'd pick up the bars of the city. Or he'd see a great victory and he'd walk away and fail to recognize where his strength came from. And that's why when the world tempted to show, to give up his source of strength, he mocked them. And he failed to recognize that the world didn't love him. The world didn't want to be connected to the source of his power. They just wanted to take it away. And he was cocky enough to tell them the source of that strength. And he did not. He went out. He woke up that time after his hair was cut. And he wished not that the Lord was, 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 had fled from him. He wished not that the Holy Spirit had gone from him. He went out to defeat them in his own power and it was gone. So many of us fail to recognize because we're in a successful ministry. We're in a successful country. We live a successful life. But unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. And when the Lord peels back those security blankets that we've wrapped ourselves in, He reveals to us that we're not as close to Him as we thought we were. When He removes the financial stability, when He removes the economical stability, when He removes the political structure, as Isaiah said, Mine eyes have seen the King. Isaiah was comforted by the fact they had a strong king. But now that godly king had died and he had wondered who was going to take his place. But mine eyes look beyond the throne of the White House. My eyes look beyond the political structure of the money market. My eyes look to a heavenly father. When I said my foot slippeth, the mercy, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? They gather themselves against the soul of the righteous to condemn the innocent blood. Is that not what the world does? But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge, and he shall bring upon them their own iniquity. And shall cut them off in their wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. You see, we're running from the, from the enemy. 
or we're in a battle with the enemy, or we're sitting still and the enemy is around us, and we want God to breathe fire from heaven and condemn the righteous there, but God wants to lead us to a rock, first of all, so we can have a relationship with him, second of all, so he can let the wicked of the wickedness envelop a plan that will allow them to self-destruct, and we'll get to walk down from the mountain after having a relationship with God and see the destruction of an enemy that they brought upon themselves. But we want revenge now. We want to watch the immoral crowd now, but we don't want to live a separated life now. We want to condemn the wickedness that goes on outside the four walls of the church, but we don't want to live a holiness that we talk about inside the four walls of the church. I need to recognize where my help's coming from. My help is not in a political movement, and I'm not against those. My help is not in uh, donating to uh, fund a particular candidate, although I'm for it and it's necessary. My help comes from the Lord. Through the Lord only do we find the pulling down of strongholds. It is only through the sword of the Spirit. It is only through the shield of faith that we will press on into battle and we will find ourselves victorious. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It is our faith that overcomes the world. It is not our ability to understand our situation. It is not our ability to perceive an outcome of how the wickedness will be brought to justice. It is only our responsibility to recognize who the source of power is and stay connected. If I'm looking to myself for, for man's solutions that make sense as a human, I will live and run in fear. I think of that story in 2 Kings chapter number 6 when Elisha, a uh, servant, steps out and he sees the multitude of the army surrounding him. And he comes back in all frantic-like. And Elijah just, did, did you hear what I said? That energetic young man just begins to pop off the problems of life. And I see Elijah just bow his head and begin to pray. And that servant just stands around like, what's this nutty guy doing? And Elijah prays a simple prayer. Lord, open the eyes of the servant that they may see. And he looks up and he sees a multitude of hosts. For greater is he, they that are with them than are with us. With us than with them. There's more with us. God and I make a majority. If God be for us, who can be against us? Why in the world am I living in a, in, in, in a, in a mentality, in a lifestyle, to where when we are surrounded by the enemy, I live in fear and I begin to run from the very source of protection. Psalms chapter number 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's my source. He leadeth me beside the still water. He restoreth my soul. There's his provision. And the Bible says that, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now catch this. Thou hast prepared a table before me. Where's that table at? In the presence of the enemy. The shepherd is in the midst of the flock. He is in the sheep gate, John chapter number 14. My sheep hear me and they know my voice. The hirelings don't care about you. They're here to break in and steal the sheep and to ruin your life. 
But the shepherd stands here providing for you by the still waters. Soon as I leave the protection of the shepherd, the enemy is on the other side of that fence. The enemy, the wolves, are watching me eat and be provided. And they can't do anything to me until I leave the protection of the shepherd. Why in the world would I leave and run when I, when, when I have everything I need right here? That's good. If God is able, then God is able. But if he's not, then why are we trying Either he can or he can't. If he can't, fine. Go do your own thing. But if God still can bring a revival, if God still can save a soul, if God still can provide for your needs, then stay put, recognize your source of help, and seek God's face in the rock. If I'm looking to him and leaning on the rock, I can rest assured in confidence, Psalms chapter number 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. I don't serve the God of, of the Philistines. I don't serve the gods of this world. They have eyes that see not. They have ears that hear not. They have mouths that speak not. They, 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 they're empty. They have no power. I serve the God who by the breath of his voice gave me life. Who by the breath of his voice created the world. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. Come back tonight. We'll talk about that word preserve. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Number one, we said we can only get help from the shelter if we're in the shelter. Number two, we must recognize where our help comes from so we can, blessed is my, uh, uh, the, uh, ble uh, blessed is he whose mind is stayed on thee. The Bible talks about peace coming to those whose mind is stayed on the Heavenly Father. Recognize where your help is coming from. There's a peace. There's a comfort in the midst of the enemies encompassing you. There's a peace. There's a security of knowing that God can deliver. But I need to recognize my source of help. Because if I don't, I'm going to go run and try to find source of help from somewhere else. The Bible talks about those that go from strength to strength. They go from place to place trying to find help and they never get what they're looking for if they would have just stayed where God brought them. David saw a great victory and then was betrayed. But he had the confidence of knowing that God told him to do it. David came to a rock and saw the enemy and said, I have nowhere to go. He climbed the rock and had a relationship with God and came back down from that rock and said, Salehim Melikoth. That rock divided me from the enemy. That rock provided an escape and gave God time to work his plan. Lastly, number three, we find that you need to create a habit of running to the rock and not running away in fear. Psalms chapter number 61 and verse number one. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed. There's your emotional instabilities. There's your lack of being able to comprehend why what is going on is going on. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Yeah. 
For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. As that storm comes across the farmlands, and that mother hen calls the chicks in, and she places her arms around them, and the debris of the storm is lying all around, and the mother may have even sacrificed her life. But when the storm is over, the little baby chicks are, are safe because they found shelter underneath the wings of the Almighty. Don't flee your shelter. Don't trust your emotions during the times of difficulty. If David would have fled from the battles that God led him to, he would have never found shelter in the rock. We want to flee the battles. And then we want to blame God when we get through the battles and we don't get the result we thought we should have. Be patient. God's leading to the rock. Be patient. Don't, don't, Don't trust your emotions. Don't trust your ability to understand. Don't trust how you feel. Don't trust those emotions. Jeremiah chapter number 17 and verse number 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I can't get God's result my own way. I can't see the victory through my own eyes. That's why I've got to have a biblical worldview. I've got to have a biblical philosophy. I've got to be close enough to God As that young boy whose mother had just died prior a week earlier, he goes to bed at night. His dad turns out the light and the little boy still missing his mother looks to his dad and says, I'm afraid and I can't see. Dad, are you looking towards me? And the father looks to the boy and says, son, I'm looking at you. I can see you. We may not be able to see, but we can see the one who sees. We may not even see his face through the storm, but we can have the surety, the confidence, the faith of knowing that God knows where I'm at. God's never left me alone. He doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. Learn to trust in God, but not only in God's message, but in God's methods for your solutions to your dilemma. In Psalms chapter number 20 and verse number 7, some will trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of our God. If we forsake the truths and the faith of the word of God for a political campaign, we will fail. If we forsake the church house for the White House, if we forsake the church house for the House of Congress, if we forsake the church house for a political rally, if we forsake and abandon soul winning for public uh, campaigning, if we forsake a personal witness for personal and, and public demonstration, we will fail because God does not promise to bless a political structure. God promises to obey and bless obedience. And God said, let your light so shine before men that they may see good work. God says in Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power, that ye shall be witnesses unto me in Judea, Jerusalem, and the othermost parts of the world. It is, it is the faithful prayers of a people sheltered in a prayer closet. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. You see, we've got our own ideas about how we should seek political victory or how we should seek a moral victory. And yet we abandon the very source of things that God has told us he will use to bring about a victory. 
Don't create a habit of running to man's philosophies. Create a habit of running to the rock. Don't trust in your emotions. Learn to trust in God's method. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't trust your own ability to understand. Don't become dependent on man's solutions for your problems. Isaiah chapter number 31 and verse number 1. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses. That word stay is the the same stay whose mind is stayed on thee that will receive the peace. That, 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 That reliance, that dependence... Why are we relying on the world's methods to give us the solution to the problem that our own sinful flesh has created? Isaiah 31.3 Woe to them that go down to Egypt to stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many. And the horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not to the Holy One of Israel neither seek the Lord. In the end... It is the word of God that will see victory and deliverance. It was the word of God that broke the chains of sin in my life and brought me salvation. For the how shall they hear? It's by faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach with whom they have not been sent? It is by the word of God that my soul was delivered from hell. It is by the word of God, 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 19, that we are delivered from the wiles of the devil and that we are delivered from the bondage of sin and, and living in liberty. It is the word of God that will defeat sin and Satan in the book of Revelation. It is the word of God. It is only the word of God by which we will see victory in our life and any source outside of the word of God. I don't care how many of them there are doesn't matter how strong they look you go read psalms chapter number 78 and the psalmist says that they said that my 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 slip my steps were well i gone i was discouraged i was about to quit i was about to run in fear i was about to give up on god but i looked and then understood i therein when i went to the house of the lord their bands were strong they didn't look like they will be able to be broken they don't look like they can be defeated but their end will come swift and sure and only those who obey and have a relationship with the word of god will see victory in their life jeremiah 17 blessed is the man that trusteth in the lord and whose hope is in who hope whose hope the lord is who's your hope this morning For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the rivers and shall not see when he cometh. Does that mean you won't face the fire? Oh, no. That means your roots are so deep in God's word that when the surface dries up, the waters of the word of God will run and flow freely to your life because you're rooted and grounded in faith. But her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You want to be a productive Christian, you stay in the book. You want to be a productive Christian, you stay in the rock. You want to be a productive Christian, you stay in God's house. Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. We want the results, but are we willing to live by faith? David was running from Saul. David led him into a, God led David into a battle and David sees a victory and we find David being betrayed. 
David fights another battle and he's yet betrayed again. David finds himself with Saul hot on his tail. And David is up on the mountain with nowhere to go. But God brings deliverance by a message of an enemy invasion elsewhere. And David comes down from that mountain. And they turn and they look to that mountain and they say, Selahim Melikoth. The rock I thought would be my death divided me from my enemy. The rock that I thought would destroy me was the rock that brought my deliverance. Don't get bitter at God during the tough times. Don't blame God for the difficulties he's allowed you to face. Allow those difficulties to increase your faith in God. When David walked away from that rock, he was not shaking his fist. He was bowing on his knee and praise to God that God once again delivered him. Look at your mountain and say, The rock that divides will provide an escape, and I am not going to run in fear. I'm going to stay in the shelter. I'm going to recognize where my help comes from, and I'm going to create a habit of running to the rock. Woe or cursed is the man that puts his confidence in man. Don't put your faith and trust in another. Fall in love with the old black book. Fall in love with having relationship with God. Yes, the storms will come. The ships will rock and the winds will be boisterous. But I promise you stay faithful to God and God will be faithful to you. And you'll come out on the other end victorious. Don't quit. Don't hang up the towel and don't run in fear. Don't give in to man's philosophies. Stay faithful. Stay in the rock. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning.